It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Joe Thomas and Adam Jones. The Premier League season may be done and dusted, but there are still plenty of things evident to talk about as we enter the summer weeks of the season. And there's only one man who we can start with on today's episode. He's been in the news the last few days now, both good and bad. But that man is Adam, is Richarlison. That man is Adam. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you've been in the news as much as Richarlison. Didn't, didn't realise, did not realise. Obviously, we will touch on today's FA charge and, and what it means and, and what kind of, you know, what, what the next steps are. But I think there's only one place we can start and they are with the comments he made on international duty with Brazil. The classic international duty comments. Mm-hmm. I think we've all become accustomed to at Everton. Um, discussing as Everton future and he said some pretty interesting things that left a lot of fans kind of contemplating what the future might hold in terms of the Charleston and Everton Football Club. Well, it's intriguing, isn't it? Because he didn't really commit to anything. I think when you when you look at the quote, it was very much a, a sitting on the fence sort of job. And you know, you, you do find it tricky sometimes when a player is in a press conference like that. If he's asked the question, then you can't decry him, mm-hmm. you know, giving an answer to that question. Uh, because I think, you know, it, it's it would have been a story even if he'd have just said, Oh, I'm not gonna talk about that now. So at, le- at least he has uh, tried to comment on on the matter at least a, a little bit. Uh, reading between the lines of the comments, obviously you don't want to try and guess where where his head's at, but it, it does it does seem to me that you know it, it, he might have told people that uh, a move will be will be on the cards for him. And uh, again, I don't think you could really you could really dispute him if he, if the, if that was the case for him because he's been an absolutely phenomenal player for Everton since he he joined back in twenty eighteen. Absolutely worth the money. That Everton paid for him, even though at the time you had people saying, "Oh, that's a ridiculous fee." I think Paul Merson did he say at the time that it yeah. ruined the transfer window or something like that. Uh, that Everton had paid that much for Richarlison, but you know, if if Everton were to sell Richarlison in this window, they'd easily make that back, maybe even make double back what what the uh, what they paid for him there. He's been such an influential player, uh, even towards the last few weeks of the season. There, he promised that he'd get Everton out of that relegation scrap. And uh, then went on to score six goals in nine games uh, towards the end of the season, which is exactly what Everton needed at that time. So, if it if it is his decision to leave, then I think he'll leave with you know the best best intentions and you know the best the best will in the world from everybody at Everton. But I think it's it's probably worth pointing out that he hasn't exactly said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to leave." It, it very much could be, and I suppose this might have been his sort of stance over the last couple of years. His stance very much might be give me assurances or I'm going to go sort of thing. And uh, the only thing that would hold me back from thinking that that is his thinking at the minute is because he has probably been saying that for the last few years and Everton certainly haven't lived up to their end of the assurances, have they? So it it, it, it just seems like a matter of time until Richarlison wants to be 
playing Champions League football, competing for regular trophies, winning regular trophies, because he is that good at the end of the day. So whether Everton can convince him to stay for a, another year, see see out this, you know, this another new sort of start under another new manager, whether whether they can convince him to do that is is sort of yet to be seen. So in a way, I do think those comments were, were quite interesting, but in, in another sense, they didn't really surprise me all that much. And it's not as if he's done, you know, like what Lukaku used to do and just you know, like it, off, his, <laughs> off, his own, off his own back, just yeah. start just start talking up a move. It, 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 it's nothing like that, is it? It's a very sort of different situation. So you can't, as I say, I don't think you can really criticise him for answering the question. And I don't think you can really criticise the answer that he gave. So it, it will just be a case of, as he said, waiting there, waiting to see until next month. Joe Adam used the word there intriguing, and I think you know every every fan will agree that they were intriguing comments. But I think they were also comments that rightly would have a lot of Everton fans worried, wouldn't they? That there might well be a future out for Charleston because although you know we all hope he stays with Everton Football Club because he's such an integral part of what's so been so good about this season, not just his on the pitch performances, but you know off the pitch he was always the first person to kind of tweet wasn't he and getting other fans on side he certainly you know to use the phrase what's been banned in recent weeks gets the club and gets the supporters Everton fans have right to be worried on it because like Adam just said there this is a lad who can play Champions League football probably does deserve to play Champions League football and quite right will want to play Champions League football and, and play for the biggest the best clubs he, he possibly can yeah, I mean, you know, as Adam made clear, there is you know, his comments were quite non-committal. I think one of the, it's, I think it's a good thing that him and you know, the hierarchy at Everton have been having conversations, which is obviously what Richardson said. You know, what what we want everyone to be going into the beginning of the summer is is there to be a bit of transparency between what the different parties want and need in order to to work together going forward and. You know, just before you know, the player goes off on international duty and summer holidays and things like that, one thing's for certain, whatever it is he wants, even if he wants to go, it, it makes it a lot easier for for Lampard and Kevin Fellwell to to plan for the future if they know where Richardson's head's at. And obviously they now they now know that we we don't. It'll probably take a couple of weeks for us to get a you know a real idea as to what the, the nature of those conversations were. But you know, I, I think the, the threat of losing Richarlison is obviously very real. Um, and even without those comments, it's something that we would all have to be alive to over the course of this summer anyway. You know, again, as Adam alluded to there, you know, he was somebody who really did step up in those final months of the season. You know, the, 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 the six goals he scored in the nine games and the, the role that he had in creating some of the others, you know, the, the penalty he won at Brentford, the... Um, you know, his role in, in, in Calvert-Lewin's first goal in, against Brentford, although they lost that. I, mean, I just remember watching him at um, at uh, Burnley, and obviously it turned out to be you know, a terrible, terrible defeat uh, when they lost at Turf Moor. It really kind of made clear that Everton were in a relegation battle. But despite you know him being you know this Brazil star with obviously lofty aspirations, who's having to you know take part in a war of attrition at the wrong end of the table in on a cold night in Lancashire, he was a leading light who really fought till you know the very end, and you can see how much it meant to him when Everton lost that. The reality is that he is a player that will be on the radar of you know, clubs that would be able to offer him European football uh, next season. I think he's got every right to believe that he deserves to be in a situation where he's playing in Europe, and 
obviously Everton can't do that next season. The very best that they could do is offer it in the season after if, you know, through some significant upturn in fortunes, Everton ended up qualifying for Europe next season, which I think we'd all agree is, you know, I think we'd all agree that Richardson himself would be being, you know, a bit slightly optimistic if, uh, if, if, if he thought that, that was going to happen, if he was gambling on staying at Everton because he thought that they were going to get into Europe, you know, the season after the one coming. So I think it's going to be a really intriguing one because on, on a number of different facets, it'll probably give us an insight into, you know, where Everton are in terms of their own situation as well. Obviously, you know, they paid 50 million for him. They're not going to, they're not going to accept a loss for a player who's proven himself at Premier League level. Um but once you get into a price range where you're above 50 million, you, you put yourself into a bracket really where there aren't really that many clubs in this climate that can probably afford Richarlison. Um, you know, and of those that have been mentioned, well, you know, you have the likes of you know, PSG have just you know secured the future of Mbappe. Well, probably not going to be in the market for you know a really big, expensive. You know, winger slash striker with obviously the rest of the Arsenal that they've got. Um, and you look at you look at Spain. Obviously, you know, Real Madrid just won the Champions League. See, Ancelotti's rumoured to have to have said to to his board that he wants for Charles, and you know, may well be the case. But obviously, we saw you know that they've just done the the domestic league and Champions League double there with Benzema and Vinicius Junior, you know, performing as, as well as they did. Um, and then when you look at the the English clubs, it's, I mean, probably maybe say Chelsea, Man United might be tempted. United have a lot of attacking wide players, and, and, I, and I do think Richarlison is best in you know, playing off a striker. Um, you know, the London clubs, Spurs, and Arsenal may be interested. I don't know the, the pool that could afford him and tempt him is, is pretty narrow. So I think what we'll probably see is we'll, we'll probably see movement in the transfer window before Richardson gets a move, like he'll almost, maybe he'll be the reaction to someone going somewhere else. If, if Manny leaves Liverpool, for instance, I'm not saying for one second that Richardson would go to Liverpool, but it might spark a, you know, a series of deals across the continent for players in that position that, that might end up seeing him going. But I think it's something, the affinity between Richardson and, and, and the fans has, has really, really been obvious over recent weeks. You know, I think after the Chelsea game, I was, Astounded by just how quickly so many Everton fans had the, uh, you know, a T-shirt or a hoodie or a jumper with Richarlison holding the smoke bomb on it. You know, it's clear that you know, he's captured the hearts. It's clear from his comments and his reactions that, that Everton are close to his heart. Um, I think we're in, in for an interesting summer over his future. And I think that, you know, one thing is clear is that, you know, Everton do hold the cards in this. You know, he's under contract. He's still only 25. He paid 50 million for him. So, I mean... What Everton have to make sure they do is if, if they do lose him, they do something that they haven't been particularly good at in recent years, and, and that is making sure they get every single penny of, of value out of that deal. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Adam, I suppose in terms of the Richardson situation and, and the questions that will come and you know the debate that will that will rise from it, this further underlines how big a job and how important a job Kevin Fowler and Frank Lampard have got this summer and, and moving forward because they've now got to start building a squad that can compete at the right end of the table, that can look to get into European football and, and look to build a solid base in which Everton can, can nicely can progress over a, a period of time. And it's a tough ask, but it's one ask that they've got to deliver, hasn't it? Because if not, any good player they come along, like Richarlison, would have simply do a couple of seasons in the path of pastures new. In a way, yeah. But I, th- I think it's more it's more the case of Everton just need to replace his influence in the squad. Essentially, you know, he, he scored he scores a lot of goals for Everton, gets a lot of assists. His influence on the rest of the team and the players around him as well, even like taking out the goals and assists. I think, you know, when Richarlison plays well, Everton realistically play well. Most of the time, you know, when, when Richarlison's on form, Everton tend to do very well. And that just shows, you know, what an impact he has on the rest of his teammates around him. You could see in the behind the scenes videos from that day that Everton stayed up, just how much the, the squad all love him and you know, there's there's a real there's a real bond between him and the fans as well and you know it, it, all of that is going to be extremely hard for Frank Lampard and Kevin Felwell to try and replace you know it, it, it's it's I think it's kind of I wouldn't say impossible but you know it's going to be very very difficult for them to get one player in who's going to be able to replace all of that for Richarlison at least on an on a, any, any sort of initial basis because they'd have to be absolutely top, top quality. <laughs> and I, I just don't think Everton are in the position to be getting in those kinds of players at the minute. So you've got to be a little bit more savvy and, you know, try and plan ahead for the future. And this is what we're all talking about, about why this, why this will take time because Everton need to have a proper strategy in place to be able to replace these players because effectively, effectively they might find themselves in a position right now where they can't keep hold of their best talent for the next couple of years, mainly the, the likes of Richarlison, you know, Calvert-Lewin, even if somebody came in for Pickford, I think that's very unlikely, but if somebody came in for Pickford and he wanted to leave, you couldn't begrudge him wanting to go oh, and play, you know, European Champions League football somewhere either. So there's a lot of players in the Everton squad who could be like that over this, this summer, maybe next summer, maybe even the summer after that as well, it, depending on how slow this rebuild takes uh, at Everton and in, in in some respects I think that Everton you know they, they, they've kind of played themselves into that in, into this position you know the, the boards that with the way with the way the club's been run over the last few years have kind of forced themselves into this corner where they, 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 they're gonna have to play play the game of these of these sort of players which is which is tough and you know essentially what they've got to do over the next couple of years is just keep their noses out of things <laughs> it goes back to what we've been saying throughout throughout isn't it you know hire hire frank lampard hire kevin Fellwell, and let them actually do what they're hired to do don't come to the end of a transfer window see the gareth bales available on a free and go oh yeah let's let's shuffle all the money at him like that that's the kind of thing that's gonna trip you up. It's not gonna work. Actually, if we did do that though. No, <laughs> not in the slightest. That's a, that, and I think that's the problem. The problem that we've got, yeah. isn't it, with, with the with the current board members and the way it is, because you know they they've given well for, personally for me, they've given no evidence over the course of the last 
few years that they have any sort of capacity to change in this sort of sense. I hope, I hope that they do. I hope that they do just like take a backseat over the course of the next you know, few days, a few weeks, months, whatever, whatever it takes, just take a backseat and just let, let the lads who are in charge actually, actually do their jobs in this sense. And, you know, it, as, coming back to what you actually asked me, I think it, I think it is underlined by a potential exit for Richarlison because, you know, this is essentially, you know, on his day, he is Everton's best player, really, isn't he? And as, as I say, I don't think you could begrudge him wanting a move if that is if that is his uh, priority in the summer. But Everton's priority now, like if 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 he has told the ball Everton board now that he wants to leave, Everton should have a plan in place now to replace him. Whether that be with one player, I think that'd be you know quite a quite ambitious unless it was you know a real well yeah unless it was a really promising young player i think it would be very ambitious to only replace his influence in the squad at the minute with one player i would suggest maybe trying to chase a couple of talents in in those sort of wide areas and up front and then that 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 might be the case that that you know we've got to do the same with well i, I think it's a bit of a different situation with yeti mina i suppose but you'd have to do the same with calvert lewin if he decides to go etc as well so yeah, this is this is probably the first real big test, I would suppose, for Lampard and Farewell, as as long as they're they're the men left in charge to actually see this through, which I hope they are. Joe Adam's comments there lead me on perfectly to a, a point that our columnist Michael Ball made in, in his column in yesterday and, and in today's paper, where he basically says, you know, that the task for Everton is, you know, they've got to find Richardson before he gets to Watford. You know, they've yeah. got to find these plays before they're paying 30, 40 million. They've got to get a scout network in place where they're picking up the top talent for, for cheap and, 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 you know, they're ahead of the curve and ahead of the trends. And and that is the task now, isn't it, for Kevin Fell, but in general, you know, not just through a Charleston situation, but in general, moving forward in terms of the recruitment, is that Everton have got to find a way in which they can, you know, pick up these plays before they get found by clubs and then Everton are forced to pay 30, 40, 50 million. For, for, for them, they've got to get them where, when they're able for you know the eight and ten months, haven't they? Uh, absolutely, you know. I think um, you had the the much vaunted strategic review that uh, has been into the football operation at the club, and you know, if you speak to the club about it, then they they pitch it as something that is you know a radical overhaul, and, and hopefully the answers that everybody you know to the questions that everybody's answering about how they ended up in this mess will only time will tell us, I suppose, on that, but. You know, of of the of the finers, one of the key things that they've done is is their the overhaul in the the academy setup with you know new personnel and, and new styles. Obviously, David Unsworth role being split into two, academy director and and under twenty threes head coach. Uh, you know, you've got the um, changes to try and make sure that every side there's playing the same style, so that you can have a, a proper you know, so, so it's easier for for players to transition up the teams and, and hopefully eventually into the first team. Um, so obviously, you know, youth is, is is one key element of that, and then the other one is obviously trying to find those, trying to unearth those hidden gems, that whether they be on the continent or whether they be in in the English football league. Um, you know, Everton very much just need to go, especially given what we all understand their financial situation to be in. And being perfectly honest, obviously there are a lot of question marks over that. But one one of the noises that come out of the club is very much a case of that this isn't going to be a a summer in which large sums of money have been spent. If anything, it's going to continue the theme of 
of the last last two windows where obviously in January, okay, you did have Patterson come in, you did have um, Mikolenko come in, but they, they were largely cancelled. Those fees were cancelled largely by the Luca Dean um, money. And then if you look back to last summer when, when Damari Gray was the only person that um, Benita spent any money on, you really haven't they've got to get ahead of the curve if they want to leapfrog the, the teams in that mid-table or at least catch up with them. Um, and, and yeah, that, that is crucial, you know, finding a Richardson before he, he gets to Watford. You, you know, I think that's... And then I think that's that's where one thing is is probably useful. I said earlier that if Richardson and Lampard and I've already had a conversation about where his head's at, well, that is a good thing because what it should mean is it should mean that those at Finch Farm have got the opportunity to plan ahead. Now, you know, there are opportunities out there to, you know, to, to make kind of uh, contingency plans. You know, if Richardson is going to go for, say, Say I'll pluck a number out of the head, but Evan would surely want to make a bit of profit on him. Say, say they got seventy-five million for Richardson. Well, I'm not saying that he's as good a player as Richardson, but obviously Maxwell Cornet's just been relegated from from Burnley, and you know the the suggestion is there that he's got a seventeen and a half million pound release release uh, clause in his contract. You know how true that is, I don't know, but obviously if Evan can move early on something like that, and they can end up in a situation where okay, they lose their best player, but they get someone who is Premier League proven. Again, I'm not saying he's as good as Richarlison, but, you know, and they've got 50, 55 million pound profit over the course of, over the course of that transaction, whether to re- whether to help out the finances or to reinvest elsewhere in the team, then, then that might have to just be seen as good business. You know, I wrote a piece today about the state of, um, you know, Evan's summer and what to expect. And, yeah, I think one of the key key watchwords really is it's just very much a case of compromise. I think Everton have to do what is best for the club in the long term, not the short term. And I think there'll be a lot of things like that. Do we do the club want to see Richardson go? No. But can they get a substantial amount of profit out of it, make a lot of money that can help them perhaps, you know, reinvest some of that money, if not all of it elsewhere. You know, the squad does need a lot of work doing on it. You know, therefore it it might almost be a case of having to take one step backwards in Richarlison, losing Richarlison, then take two steps forward in getting a few other players in. And, and I think that's going to run right through the, the policy of, of, of this summer, really. You know, just having to be savvy, having to be clever, not going, you know what, we need, um, you know, we need a centre-back, a centre-midfielder and a, and a striker that's trying to spend £40 million on each position. And, you know, this, this player has done really well already at a high level so even though he's going to cost a bit more let's see if we can tempt him it, it, it can't be like that it's going to have to be a, a gradual uh, improvement you know some young hungry rough diamonds get them in to see if, if they can you know take make the most of the opportunity that comes their way and perhaps in other cases and, and you know Tarkovsky might be be one of these you're getting someone who's a bit older and a bit more experienced, you can perhaps fill a gap whilst you strengthen the team for the long term elsewhere. Because obviously, you know, as much as they want to progress moving forward, they also have to make sure next season they don't end up in the same position they were this year. And, you know, there's a, a tranche of clubs in that mid-table that are, quite frankly, from the footballing perspective, you know, quite far advanced from Everton in terms of their own networks, their scouting, their recruitment, their tactics... Um, and far more settled. I've got a lot of work to do to catch up with them. So it's just really going to have to be just sensible back to basics, both in what they're doing on the training ground and what they're doing in the transfer market and what they're doing in the academy. Adam McCharlson was also in the headlines today as 
pretty much as we expected. He was charged by the FA for the use of a smoke bomb um, following the Chelsea following going to Chelsea. The one thing that does annoy me with, with that is the use of the word flare. When it's not a flare, it's a smoke bomb, yeah. not a flare. But he has been charged. But there was another charge yesterday as well. Frank Lampard was charged with the FA for his comments he made after the Merseyside derby, which I thought were quite interesting given certain other managers, one notably across Stanley Park, has got away with it a lot worse this season. Yeah. But this was expected, wasn't it? I think Everton, as a club, were braced for these two charges to come in, given that at the time that's the investigations be going on for them, given the way they were kind of mm. reacted to in the first place. I'd completely forgot about the pair of them, to be honest. I, 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 I'd maybe just brush them, brush them to the back of my mind. I just or maybe he just I agrees at Lampard's comments and so on, not wrong with them. Well, th- there was a bit of that as well. I can't remember the last time. Was the last time Liverpool conceded a penalty at Anfield when when Everton won a penalty at Anfield? Was yeah, that, I think was, it was. was yeah. that, that their last, and that was behind closed doors, so that hardly really counts. Can't can't think of the last time they. Conceded a penalty with fans at Anfield, so but you know that's besides the point. The, uh, the Premier League won't look at the actual facts, or the FA won't look at the actual facts for for, for stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I, I suppose it's hard to be it's hard to be surprised. It, it does it, it does just feel like this season's just been a constant, you know, the FA versus Everton throughout the Premier League. Uh, it, it's just been it's just been ridiculous, hasn't it? They, they just keep slapping them with these different decisions, and at this point, I, I just think to myself. Yeah, go on then. <laughs> well, what, what, what else? What else do you want to hit them with? You know, Richarlison's going to throw a smoke bomb to a part of the stadium where there's no fans. You know, deliberately trying to throw it off the pitch and outside of the stadium. Uh, the police have, I think, the police investigation is now finished, and they're essentially not taking any action against them. So, why, why are the FA taking action against them? You've got Harvey Elliott. Has didn't he have some sort of interaction yes. with a similar smoke bomb? Didn't. Didn't have anything done to him either, so uh, just, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm just sick of I'm sick of talking about stuff like this now. To be honest, the inconsistencies that we see throughout these sorts of decisions over the course of you know not even just the last few weeks, but over the course of the whole season, I think it's just well, it, it's really beaten me down. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> so I, I just I've just got nothing else. Nothing else to really say on the matter. I think it's one of them. Where, well, Richardson doesn't seem bothered, does he? <laughs> Let's no, be honest. No. He, he put his little. I don't think on, Frank will be either. He put, yeah, person. no. He put a picture on social media instantly of him doing doing the thing. So you know, I, I don't. I don't think he's concerned at all. If he if he's faced with a fine, you know, I don't think he's really going to be that bothered whatsoever. So yeah, it's it, it's one of those where it's a, it's it's frustrating, of course. But you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, a couple of couple of fines for saying stuff like that, you know, while it's not while it's not perfect. I mean these are these are big boys. I'm sure they can pay they can pay yeah. these fines, can't they? So yeah, as long as long as the uh, the people themselves don't seem strictly bothered by it, then I find it hard for myself to be strictly bothered by it either, to be honest. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
think as well, Joe, isn't it, in terms of the fines and, and what's come. Ultimately, you know, Everton got the last lap because they've you know, preserved their Premier League status to be playing Premier League football next season. And, you know, in the end, they got themselves all behind through the whole, their own hard work and their own, you know, drive to drive to succeed and not rely on other people. Yeah, absolutely. In some respects, you could almost argue that both of the incidents that have come under investigation for both Lampard's comments and and you know Richarlison with the um, with the smoke bomb, were, you know, if he gets fined again you know, to the club, they were, they were probably worth it because they were they were quite significant moments in what was a run in where Everton had every chance of, of genuinely getting relegated and. Lampard's comments, and you know, I don't think they were particularly unfair um, or or, un, or unreasonable. Um, you know, played a big part in perhaps creating that siege mentality that was almost a case of deflecting attention away from you know the criticism Everton were getting for the negative tactics at, at, at the time, which you know was just absolutely laughable because it was just a situation that you know. It was just a pragmatic approach to those games against the likes of Liverpool and, and Chelsea and others, where faced with the limited resources the Lampard had and the situation they're in, where every point was a necessity. You know, Evan had to play the way they had to concede lots of possession and territory and hope to hit sides on the, the counter attack. But it was very, it was very good at creating a kind of an, an us against them kind of scenario, which I think helped the players and the club because. Obviously, then you know it's not long after that you you go to Chelsea and you have those incredible scenes and you know Everton's fans for and when they were calling for you know the fans to get behind Everton um, ahead of the Chelsea game you know, they they use those words siege mentality us against the world and you know, now's the time to react and just look at the impact that it then had at Chelsea and on that game and again you know obviously you know Richarlison right maybe he is better if I just to leave the smoke bombs on the pitch when they come on but I think that moment symbolised a lot for a lot of people. It was almost like the turning point and it was a, you know, it was you know, a, a catalyst for what was to come really and, and it helped rally the fans behind the players behind them. You know, just like Lampard's comments may have helped rally the players behind him going into those crucial weeks of the season where Evan ultimately didn't do it the easy way but ultimately did enough to, to, to stay up. Before we finish, lads, and Call time on today's pod. The transfer window is in full swing. We've seen clubs release players. We've seen clubs sign players. And Aston Villa's case, they've, they've moved fast in, in the market so far. Adam, one player who has been linked with the Blues, and his name has been continuously mentioned in the last week or so, and it's easy to see why, given he's going to be a free agent, is James Tarkovsky. Mm-hmm. Everton fans have been, you know, kind of discussing at length, I think that the centre-back conundrum that the Blues faced this summer in terms of Yeri Mina's future and, you know, what to do with him, given his injury record, etc. I know we, we touched on it last week on, on the show. But is James Slavkowski someone you'd like to see the Blues make a move for? Is he someone you see coming in and improving Everett's back line? I don't think he improves the back line. <laughs> I certainly do think he, he improves the back line. Um, I think his on-the-ball talents are a little bit underrated. I think people, people see him as a as a you know sort of you know well for want of a better phrase i suppose like a, a, a michael Keane mm-hmm. mark two sort of you know just he's going to defend his own area sort of just going to head the ball away and oof it up the pitch sort of thing but i think he's is actually his passing on the ball is actually you know very underrated so 
if uh, if Everton are able to unlock that side of him, uh, I think he could be a very worthwhile addition. He showed towards the back end of Burnley's season, of course, last season, that he's very capable of playing in a three at the back as well as a two at the back, which is a uh, which is very interesting. That you know, I, I suppose we don't know the the direction that Lampard and you know to a lesser extent Felwell, I suppose as well, is going to uh, is going to take this into the future. So you know, it, it, it might be. It might be worthwhile to have sort of centre backs that can play in, in both sort of moulds, and you know it's a free transfer at the end of the day. And a lot of, a lot of people are talking about the wages involved. And we've seen you know quite a wide range of uh, reported weekly wages that are uh, mm-hmm. that are apparently on the table, uh, depending on who you uh, who you get your news from. But I think realistically, you know, you if you offer him a two year contract with whatever wages he's going to be on. You pay. You're essentially paying what five million, five million, something like that. So, for I, a proven I, Premier League defender, ex- ex- exactly for 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 somebody who's you know he, he, you imagine he's not going to take too much time to settle into his new surroundings. He seems like he seems like a bit of a leader at the back as well, which is something that you know Everton desperately need all over the pitch. I would argue uh, his injury records very strong as well, which is you know something that. Everton have certainly struggled with. If Frank, if Frank Lampard wants to make this squad robust, I think that uh, James Tarkovsky's a really good way to go for it. So, in a, in essence, I, I think he would. I think he'd be a fairly smart signer. Uh, I, I suppose it depends what else happens in terms of the centre backs. Are you going to send Jared Brantwaite out on loan, for example? Which of I would presume Michael Keane or Yeni Mina are you going to you going to mm-hmm. sell sort of thing? I think I, I would still suggest that Everton probably need another centre back on top of Tarkovsky, even if they were to get him in. But uh, I think in terms of just bringing him in to you know bolster those options at the back, I just think it's a it, it's it's almost in the realms of a no brainer for me. Joe Adam thinks it's a no brainer there in terms of bringing James Tarkovsky. You you on the same hymn sheet? To a certain extent, there's no doubt that he there's no doubt he improves Everton. And what Lampard and Fowler need to do is. As quickly as possible, they need to improve Everton as much as they can, while taking as few risks as they can. And, and Tarkovsky is someone who's proven in the Premier League. He's you know there in a in a position that Everton des- desperately need to strengthen. And obviously, he's on a free. You know where where I'm perhaps slightly disagreeing is is I think that I think this is probably the first big test of. You know the strategic review the club is saying about you know seeking more value in players and things like that because I think that you know whilst obviously the fact that there's no transfer fee means if you're paying his wages that it gives you more room to pay for pay for his wages obviously you know some of the figures that have been been banded around if he was to have hundred grand a week well that's just over five million a year he's going to want at least a two year contract and all of a sudden you're committing yourself to ten million pound plus. You know, if he wants a three-year contract, depending on who else is, is is out there arguing and what they're offering for him, then also it becomes fifteen million. So what I th- I think this is is it's, it's a good test because I think I think the interest is genuine for, for for a start, and there are lots of compelling reasons for that. But I also think that what Evan do need to do is if they have to show that they've broken away from the past under the Mashiri regime, is they can't just say name the price. You know, there's no transfer fee. We'll we will pay whatever it is. I don't think they should get involved in a in a bidding war for them. If they end up in a situation where it's it's Everton against Villa against Newcastle, it's going up from ninety to one hundred to one hundred and ten to one hundred and twenty, or from two years to three years to four years, 
whatever do need to do is you need to have the sense to be able to take a step back and go actually you know is this is this necessary is this really benefiting us obviously part of those you know calculations will depend on whether or not they've had much interest in some of the other center backs you know again i'm sure they'd be willing to listen to offers for, for, for some of them at least um but yeah so i i, I think yeah, Tarkovsky definitely improves them and, 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 and the interest will be there. Uh, but what they shouldn't do is they shouldn't get themselves into a situation where they're allowing players and agents to name their prices and other rivals to push up fees to a position where actually the risk becomes a bit too great on on, you know, on, on a player um, who you know, is, is obviously, like, I mean, he's not getting towards the end of his career, but he's, he's in, in the older bracket. They don't want to, they don't want to end up in a situation where there's, they already have too many players on too long contracts at the wrong end of their career. What they don't want to do is end up having to commit to Tarkovsky on excessive wages for an excessive amount of time and then end up just recreating the cycle for a couple of years down the line that they've got themselves in this season. Right, lads, we will leave things there for this week. I think we've uh, chewed the fat enough there on Richarlison, Everton transfers, James Tarkovsky and everything that comes with it. But we will be back next week to to continue the fallout and dissect the fallout from Everton's Premier League season. And, of course, bring you all the latest transfer news surrounding the Blues as we expect it to be a busy summer at Goodison Park and Finch Farm as Frank Lampard looks to rebuild his squad ahead of the start of the next Premier League season. But, Joe, Adam, thank you very much for joining me this week. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.